going on, everybody? You are in the Hacker Valley studio with your host, yes, sir. Ron and Chris. Welcome back to the show. Glad to be back again. Still at the SANS Cloud Security and DevOps Summit, alongside with Kathy Wang, a CISO at Full Story. Congratulations on the new gig, by the way. Thank you very much. I'm very excited to be a full story and to be making an impact on raising the bar on security and privacy. Fantastic. If you uh, wouldn't mind sort of taking our listeners through your, your story, you know, how did you get to where you are today? Yeah, we'd love to hear about it. Yeah, of course. So I've been in security for about 20 years. I, you know, started at a startup company that was founded by Bruce Schneier mm. and, you know, called Counterpain. And then from there, I went on to work in different organizations where I was a defense contractor, security researcher, and then worked my way up from there to more of an advisory CISO role. And then, you know, through, this is my third time as head of security mm-hmm. at a company. So definitely not my first rodeo there, but really in my past, Security research has been really instrumental to me because I have a technical background, and from there I was able to delve into trying to pioneer some of the techniques for detection of malicious activity across different web browser vulnerabilities. Hmm. And that really was kind of a foundational um, piece of research that led me to my current role today where there was a lot of focus on web security and privacy. Right. Now that's outstanding. Uh, You gave the keynote this morning. You gave an outstanding talk on zero trust. I think there's a lot of misinformation about zero trust out there uh, these days. If you could, uh, could you sort of in in a nutshell explain what zero trust is and, and what it's not for folks? Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, it's interesting. A lot of people think they know what Zero Trust is. And this year at the RSA conference, they did a poll of attendees just randomly. And about 50% of them did not really know what Zero Trust was. And fundamentally, what Zero Trust is, is the ability to take a user and their role, plus the device that they're using, and then authorize that access to data on an endpoint, right? So that's really all it is, is that each endpoint, depending on the data sensitivity, it is separately authorized for access. So it compartmentalizes your environment, and it's different from a traditional perimeter-based model that most companies are still using today. Right. Right. I really liked what you said earlier that zero trust is not a product, it's a process. Mm -hmm. I know that I've worked with a lot of organizations that will probably type in zero trust products and then try to implement like a plug and play solution. So when you're getting started with zero trust, what is something that you focus on first? I think you had some, some information about it in the keynote. Yes, I did. So what you need to understand first before anything else is what type of data is your organization processing and storing, and how sensitive is that data. So if it's red data, so I have a data classification uh, policy where I bucketize the data into red, orange, yellow, and green, red being the most sensitive. 
So if you have that picture and you know what data you need to focus on protecting first, then you have what is a foundational piece for starting on zero trust. If you don't even know what that is, it's very hard to figure out what to prioritize. Right. Yeah, I, I like the, the idea of starting with something essential like uh, single sign-on and starting there. I think that would be like a nice starting point for someone like right. me that doesn't really operate it in that, that field too much. Mm -hmm. Yeah, single sign-on is something that many organizations do have in place, which is great. But with zero trust and single sign-on, you have to make sure that you have good automation to pull all of that information with your users, your devices, and your endpoints. Mm -hmm. What's really important for a cloud-native company that's scaling really quickly is the ability to onboard and offboard people very quickly. And that's part of your security posture. So if you're not able to offboard someone in an automated way right after they leave a company and they still have access a month later to different services, that's a really bad practice. Mm. Right? So part of zero trust is making sure you have all the pieces in place and part of it is making sure you still use the best security practices as well. Mm -hmm, right. And you, you had some parts about sort of like reevaluation, like as you continue to grow in zero trust, did you have any, any way for people to operationalize that? So is there a way for folks to programmatically look, reassess their posture and then make improvements as their organizations change, as their missions change, things like that? Yes. Um, so there's a concept called an escalation engine that I outlined a little bit at the keynote, mm -hmm. but Ultimately, your organization needs to have ownership and accountability for security vulnerabilities and issues. What that means is that most organizations have a backlog of security issues. People don't like to talk about it, but it's there. Right. And so what is it that you do to try to reduce that backlog and prioritize it over time? That's what matters. So one way to do that is to have good automation in place that will escalate the attention of the backlogs to different business units in your organization so that people do feel that they're held accountable to fix those problems. And I wanna emphasize that it's not about punishing anyone here, it's more about driving discussion. Right. So, you know, product teams, for example, they're extremely motivated to deliver on features. That's mm -hmm. how they're incentivized. Mm -hmm. Makes a lot of sense. However, with security debt and technical debt, how do you make sure that gets addressed and prioritized? Because at the end of the day, you could have like a hundred new features and it won't matter if the customer doesn't trust your product mm -hmm. to secure their, keep their data secure. Right. Right. So you have to, to really emphasize that and driving that accountability. Maybe the developer is tasked with a different deliverable. That's fine, but I wanna know that, right? In a comment or something where they say, yes, I'm on this, but right now there's this customer that's demanding this feature and it's stopping a deal of this size. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. That's a really compelling reason to prioritize the feature over the security debt. Right. But the first step is to know what the reason is in the first place. And that's what a lot of organizations don't get into. 
So one of the things that I'm curious about is I know that zero trust is what a lot of organizations are looking at, especially like you mentioned, startups. What do you see as the next wave of kind of security and securing our applications, our users and devices? So from a securing, uh, securing application standpoint, the next wave is really going to focus on shifting left. Right now, we're very, very reactive as a industry, right. right? We have a lot of vulnerabilities reported and then we have to try to address them. What if we could do more automation up front mm -hmm. to detect these problems and fix them before they become, you know, later on down the pipeline, right? right? right. So allowing developers to have their code scanned mm -hmm. prior to committing that code and having alerts thrown out with warnings of where they might want to go and get help from security teams is going to cost the company less than fixing the problem after the fact. Right. Mm -hmm. We've known that for a long time, but putting that knowledge into practice is not something that I think we all do very well yet today. Mm -hmm. Some places do it well, but I think more places need to do it better. Right. right. So that's what I see happening in the next five years, more and more. And the other thing is with zero trust for cloud native companies, I think in the next five years, we're gonna see that shift from 80% have not started zero trust to less percent have not started zero trust. Right. So it's a direction that the industry is moving into as well. Mm -hmm. Right. Uh, before we hopped on the podcast, we had a really, I thought, a great conversation about security leadership. And one of the, the biggest takeaways for me is you have sort of a percentage for the security team in relation to the size of the organization. Could you elaborate for everybody out there? Yeah, yeah. That's, that's always a fun conversation. I've learned the hard way over being a head of security that trying to hire and bag and borrow and steal headcount right when you need it is just not a very good or efficient way to do this, right? So what I figured out over the years is that it's best to tie in security headcount to a certain percentage of the company's headcount. Mm -hmm. And this isn't a number that I just arbitrarily throw out. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of research behind it talking to other heads of security at different companies that are in similar industry sectors or doing similar things will give you a good idea. And that includes even like if you're a pre-IPO startup, talking to other pre-IPO startups. So what I found out is for pre-IPO startups that are uh, cloud native and, you know, meaning that there's no self-hosted or on-prem, you know, anything, Everything's on public cloud infrastructure or on some third-party vendor's SaaS. The headcount for companies that I can respect how they're doing security typically ranges between 4 to 6% of the total company headcount, typically. And so putting all that data together after having talked to different heads of securities and CISOs, was instrumental in helping to justify the headcount to my C-level leadership. It's amazing. Yeah. It, it's actually really, really 
it sounds simple, it's not simple, but once you have it in place, it really simplifies your ability to grow a security team yeah. over time. And now the focus isn't on, geez, how do I get that next headcount? But the focus is on really driving the large initiatives like zero trust and differential privacy that will really make an impact on security and privacy at an organization. Wow. Being a security leader, especially in this in this aspect, do you find it hard to recruit new individuals that can uh, ride that wave and hang hang with you? Yes, I do find it to be very challenging because there's more security jobs than there are people to do right. the work, right? <laughs> we have what I call a negative unemployment rate. Right. <laughs> so <laughs> it's very challenging. What I try to do and what I did at GitLab and what I plan to do at Full Story is hire a remote and globally distributed security workforce. And the reason for that is, look, there's talented people everywhere in the world. Right. They're not all only in San Francisco or only in D.C., Right. You can find really great people everywhere else. So it becomes a matter of flexibility and allowing people to work remotely and, you know, letting them do their best work possible. Mm -hmm. And in that way, I was able to build a team at GitLab from just myself at the very beginning to about 40 people by oh, the end wow. of two years. Mm. Uh, and we were, almost half of us were in U.S. time zones, almost half in EU, a few were in Australia, there was even one person in Chile, and two people or three people in South Africa, right? So it was a really global and diverse workforce. And I emphasize hiring diversity as well, that's very, very important to me but not just in ways that you would think about diversity. There's mm -hmm. also neurodiversity. Yep. And that's very important too because there are people who are really, really good at doing security work and they want to be laser focused on one area. Right. That's their personality. Mm -hmm. And then there's other people that are more generalist. Right. They want to be more broadly focused on a few areas. And I think we need to have that kind of flexibility and thought in mind as security leaders to allow people to do that work that yeah. they want to do. Yeah, that's a great way to put it. What do you find uh, the biggest challenge having a remote team? I, I know that a lot of organizations are kind of worrisome about that, that aspect. You know, it's really interesting. The biggest challenge is going to be finding a security team meeting time that works for everybody <laughs> around the world. Yeah. Uh, you will never find any one time that works for everyone. So it's important to be inclusive as much as possible, meaning that for one quarter, the meetings for the team will be at a certain time. And there will be some people who will feel like it's not a great time for them. But then next quarter, we'll make it a great time for them. Mm -hmm. Right? And then the quarter after that would change it again. Right. That's one way that I found to be very fair about yep. this. I agree with um, that. The other way is to document everything about the meeting mm -hmm. so that people right. who are not able to attend because it's 3 in the morning their time mm -hmm. are able to still contribute to the meetings. 
And so what, what I've done is I've put together agenda docs for meetings that people are asked to populate prior to the meeting. And so all the agenda items are on there with you know, your name and what you want to talk about. And then other people are invited to comment on their thoughts to that item. So really the meeting's more of a formality of going through the agenda and ratifying decisions right. rather than, you know, here's what I want to talk about. Well, what does that mean? Mm -hmm. All of that needs to be taken care of before the meeting so no one feels left out from getting the context of everything. Mm -hmm. So if you're not able to attend the meeting, you're still able to fully contribute. Mm -hmm. I, f I hope everyone's taking notes because Kathy is giving us some <laughs> golden nuggets of knowledge here. Kathy, I just want to say uh, from the bottom of our hearts, thank you so much for taking the time to speak with us. Are there ways that people can stay up to date with you, with Full Story? Any projects do you have going on? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I am hiring. So <laughs> All right. right now is security operations, application security and compliance. But please take a look at our jobs page on Full Story. And I'm just Kathy at fullstory.com with a K. And um, I would love to stay in touch. So thank you. Outstanding. Thank you so much. Great. Yes. See you all next time.